0: Hello everyone, welcome to episode 113 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burl, and I'm joined as usual by my co-host, Riley McConnell. And today on our show, the Blue Jays have played game number 82 on the season, so we are officially over the halfway point now, and the Jays wrapped it up with a much-needed series win against the red-hot San Francisco Giants, taking two out of three against that team. We'll have more reaction to that in this episode, including dominance performances from Kevin Gosman and Chris Bassett, thoughts on Alec Manoa's disastrous rehab start in the Florida Complex League, plus some all-star stuff, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to the Home Run Derby, and so much more to come later in this episode. But first, Riley, give you the first word. What's up? How are you today?
1: Jesse, I'm good. Spending the day at my parents' as I have this Friday off. It's a four-day weekend for me. It's perfect. Lots of time for me to reflect on Jesse. Um, A very well-needed series victory, first Mm -hmm. of all. Um, I'm very happy with a ton of things, man. Life is good right now. Um, As of you know, the expression "weather heats up," the bats start to heat up. We really would like to see our bats heat up just ever so more, man. It was a low-scoring series, which is not bad because it means something's going right on the pitching side. But man, I am just craving for an offensive. Um, on slot here. And I mean, Hey, we're real close to the all-star man. So the adjustments can happen. Things happen. I like our is still at where we sit in the standings. It's still stiff competition in the AL East as it always will be, man. No, things are good. Things are great. I'll just say this right now. At least we didn't get a perfect game thrown against us. That's right. <laughs> hey, I, and I just want to gripe out this, Jesse. It's my channel too. A sure. guy, and I hate this. Guys that wear number zero in sports, it's not a real number. Zero is it like, zero is a non-number. It one, you have one of something, that's a number. Zero is zero. And I mean, good for good for Germont to throw a perfect game, man. That's absolutely stellar. But I hate players that wear zero. And poor Oakland, man. You want to talk about insult to injury. Like that's That's awful. I'd like to say that our Jays wore wore, uh, down Oakland in order for the Yankees to be able to do that. But hey, that's baseball, man. That's baseball.
0: Hey, the Jays couldn't throw a perfect game against Oakland when we just had them in for a three-game set. So take that for what it's worth. But, Riley... First, before you like the video, happy Canada Day weekend to everybody watching. It's one of the biggest weekends. I hope you are all at the Dome on Saturday to see it on the Blue Jays on Canada Day. It truly is one of the best times to be a Blue Jays fan. And first, guys, like the video. Subscribe to the channel. All that fun stuff. Wherever you can find your podcasts, you can find Buds and Blue Jays. But before we get into the game recaps, this is episode 113 of our show. So as we've done the last two episodes, we're going to give you some cool Blue Jays-related stats for episode 113. And I've got three for you here today. This episode is brought to you by Dalton Varsho who's 113 is his total bases on the year so far. 113 is also the number of home runs that Ed Sprague had with the Toronto Blue Jays and Boba hey. hardest hit baseball of the season so far is 113 miles per hour. So thanks for those three, Ed Sprague, Dalton Varsho, and Boba for sponsoring our episode today.
1: Ed Sprague was a huge contributor in one of those playoff games against the Atlanta Braves. I think it was game one or game two. We had a big home run for us. I don't know which one, but I know the home run and his fist pump as he rounded the bases. Lo- Longtime Blue Jay. I don't think he did much in his MLB career after the Blue Jays. Don't quote me on that, but I feel like he had a started off young and kind of played his more than his best years Was there for the good and then kind of the mid 90s. Hey, we had we had a we had a different team. It was a big time turnover. But yeah, hey, cool stuff. I love what I love what you've done with the place, Jesse. I love to hear all these all these all these cool number related, um, you know, accolades and things.
0: All right, let's take a blast from the team from 1992 to go to 2023, and let's talk about what just happened recently, and we'll get into the game recaps here. Game one of the series, the Blue Jays lose this game 3 to nothing. The Blue Jays got out of the game really hot. We had first and third with nobody out, but were not able to score, and that just became the theme for the rest of the night, as the Jays went one for 11 with runners in scoring position, and get shut out for the second time in 10 days, and only the second time this season. Gosman was good, though. He was his usual dominant self after five-plus days rest, six innings pitch, one earned run, and 12 strikeouts, and Bo Bichette had three hits in the defeat. Game two, the Jays get back into the win column and if you want to talk about a hot start, they really got off to a hot start in this one. They scored five runs in the top of the first off Logan Webb, doubles by George Springer, Brandon Belt, Dalton Varsho, and Whit Merrifield to go along with singles by Bo Bichette and Danny Jansen led to the five-run outburst. The Jays rode another bullpen day with Trevor Richards, Bowden Francis, Mitch White, and Trent Thornton holding the Giants to one run and six hits over their nine innings. Every single Blue Jay who started in this game got a hit, and the Blue, Blue Jays kind of needed a relatively easy victory, and they got one in this game here. And in Game 3, the rubber match, the Blue Jays were locked into a pitcher's duel as Chris Bassett and Keaton Wynn battled each other hard for six innings each. The game was scoreless until Brandon Belt drew a two-out walk in the six, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. followed it up with a 413-foot bomb of a moonshot to give the Blue Jays a 2-0 lead. Tim Meza and Eric Swanson worked sicked up six down, and Jordan Romano did run into some trouble in the ninth. But was able to get Brandon Crawford to fly out to center with men on base to secure his 24th save of the season. The Blue Jays win for the third time this year, getting three hits or less, and Bo Bichette's hit streak is snapped at 13 straight games. So after the series, Riley, and after the first half, the Jays sit at 45-37. and 37. We're fourth place in the AL East. We're 10 games back at the Tampa Bay Rays. We're currently in the third and final wild card spot, half a game behind the Yankees, four and a half behind Baltimore, but we're only half a game ahead of Houston. And the angels are just one and a half games behind them. So Riley, a lot of talking points to come out of the series with the San Francisco giants. The floor is yours, my guy, where are we going?
1: There's, there's a ton, ton to talk about, man, not only in game, but out of the, out of the ball games that just happened. So let's just, Let's just get right into the pitching. Do you hear these scores, how low these scores are? And that's due to our pitching. And we kind of have a yin and yang. One of our pitchers is saddled with a loss. The other one picks up the win. I mean, let's go with Gosman, the guy that picked up a loss. Not too many times do you give up three hits and strike out 12 And get handed a loss. He Mm -hmm. went six innings in this one. And looked absolutely fantastic, man. San Francisco hitters. like They obviously did a good job of reading the scouting report on Kevin Gosman. But I felt like his pitch mix was different. The way he was painting the low part of the zone with that fastball, yeah. the velocity up. It was just, he, that's how he, he got so many backwards k's just on that pitch alone. I mean, he only walked one hitter. Like I said, get, anytime you give up three hits over six innings, that's a whip. I like to see, man. That's a whip. I like to see those strikeout numbers are for real. Kevin Gosman, what top three first in the American league in strikeouts, whatever it is. Like he is a top three strikeout arm in the MLB it is the first officially like the first half of the season. You can look at Kevin Gosman and his numbers and go like, this guy has a real chance to win a Cy Young award. I mean, mm-hmm. it sucks that he got dealt that loss. It really does. Kevin Gosman is on an absolute tear. He is our number one guy. And I mean, he, he pitches another gem. Now let's turn it over and go game three. Same deal. Bassett goes six innings, strikes out 12 guys. Yes. He gave the same amount of hits in three, he walked three batters. What's two walks different on your line? He picks up the win in this one. Chris Bassett, his career high in strikeouts, man. You love to see it. You love to see a guy like that. He's not a mid-20s guy picking up. He's a guy like George Springer this year who seems to be playing very good good ball as a savvy veteran in Chris Bassett exactly what I thought we needed at the start of this year I was not wrong I was not disappointed yes there's been the start yada 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 but this is the kind of game where our bats were not on I mean Jesse three hits. are you kidding me no, three hits all bats a picture right yeah I guess. This win guy, who whatever, I mean, he didn't get the win. Bassett got the win. It was well earned, man. Because any time a team strings together three hits on your side, I mean, you gotta be on your A game. And hey, Jay scored when it mattered. Yeah. Bassett pitched an absolute gem. Just glad to see one of those pitchers walk out with the W because both of them deserved to the win, man.
0: Pitching was definitely a detail of the tape in this series here. And hey, pitching and defense wins you ball games, right? Certainly did in this series. I have notes on both these guys, Riley. I guess we will start with Kevin Gosman. Um, I don't remember the last time the Toronto Blue just had two starting pitchers in the same series. Both rack up 12 strikeout performances. I feel like it's been a while. But it's the seventh time this season Kevin Gosman has had 10 or more strikeouts in a game. Including his 1,500th strikeout of his career, Riley. He is now the 21st active player to have 1,500 or more strikeouts. And two things from this one. The first one I thought was kind of funny when I'm watching the game and Kevin Gosman got his 1500 strikeout. They put something on the Jumbotron there. The fans started cheering and you saw a visible look of confusion on Kevin Gosman's face because I don't think he knew that it was his 1500 strikeout of his career. He thought that fans were just cheering for Jock Peterson (laughs) as he was coming to the plate. And I think Kevin Gosman was like, was Jock Peterson ever a Blue Jay? Like, why are they they cheering him on? And I thought that was kind of funny coming out after the game there. And then the other thing I've noticed with Kevin Gosman, Gosman, you kind of mentioned it here, getting saddled with the loss. It's because he's just not really getting any run support, man. Like, if you look at the four starters who are still in a rotation, Jose Brios gets the most at about 4- 5.78 runs per game. Kikuchi's next at 5.68. Bassett gets a little over five runs a game. Gosman only gets 3.1 runs per game, and it's tough to rack up a big win total when your offense isn't getting that much runs behind you. So, hey, pitchers can't control how much runs their offense score, but it sure would be nice to get Gosman a little more here.
1: It would absolutely be nice against his form, I mean, uh, former team at some point for Kevin Gosman, the last team he played for anyways before the Blue Jays. But yeah, you can't control that, uh, Jesse. And it's just one of those funny things in baseball. And at the end of the day, I mean, wins and losses don't really to tell you a lot about no, the starting picture. And in Kevin Gosman's case for this one, I mean, you look at everything else, Jesse, and you know exactly. It, it tells you exactly what you need to know about this guy. This is, um, it's not average work by Kevin Gosman. Obviously, this is a spectacular start, but you can expect things like this, man. Double-digit strikeouts. I'm uh, quite surprised he really didn't go deeper into this ball game but Pitch i mean count. he was Pitch over 100 pitches, he, over yeah. 100 over 100 pitches again i mean Ke- kevin Gosman is just a workhorse dude he is yep. a fear competitor and i mean Wins or losses, his his numbers alone and every other stat, every other category are up there as far as the MLB goes, as far as the American League goes. So it doesn't really matter. He did his part, Jesse. That's all we can say. Kevin Gosman and well, and add on Bassett to that. They had hell of a start. But yeah, for sure, Gosman, this is this is what he's going to do more in the second half to I mean your pick Jesse your pick of mm-hmm. the um, American League Cy Young and I can see that happening I mean it's it's definitely not a stretch dude he's been an absolute workhorse if you want to look at strikeouts innings pitch and um, his ERA plus categories where he's just uh, I mean either first or in the top three it's Kevin Gosba, man
0: Kevin Gosman has now moved into the top 20 in Blue Jays pitching war all time, doing that in less than 50 starts with the team. He just moved ahead of both Ricky Romero and Brandon Morrow. Next on that list is AJ Burnett for Kevin Gosman to catch up. So I want to talk about Chris Bassett's performance too, and he turned in a gem, as you already mentioned, and it was very nice to see after he had had three subpar outings in a row. It's good to see the bounce back from Chris Bassett here. Teams have been kind of stacking up the left-handed hitters against him as lefties, as they do normally against right-handed pitchers. They do hit righties better. And Bassett for those three starts where he got really hit around, he was using his predominantly sinker and slider against lefties. But he really mixed it up more in this start. In fact, he threw his four seam fastball more in this start than he had in any other um, any other start this season. And he also threw the change up, the curve, and the sinker roughly twenty percent of the time, where typically in a Chris Bassett start that's closer to about ten percent. So the Giants are very good at reading scouting reports and guessing swing planes with their swings and stuff. So I think the fact that Chris Bassett was able to keep them guessing so well led to the 12 strikeouts over his six innings. But I think I wanted to throw some love more here to Alejandro Kirk, who was back off the IL and was catching uh, Chris Bassett in this start. And if you look at the numbers, Riley, of Chris Bassett's ERA behind who's behind the plate, he has a one ERA with Kirk behind the plate. With any other catcher, whether it's Heineman or whether it's Jansen or what, it's over 9 behind the plate. So I think there's a few times that Alejandro Kirk is really good at framing those pitches too and calling eight or nine pitches. In fact, there was one that he framed that um, got the batter kicked out. It got Gabe Kapler kicked out. And uh, that's all on Alejandro Kirk, man. And I just want to throw him some love. It is good to have him back, even though he's not hitting so well behind the plate because his framing is impeccable. And he single-handedly left his mark on that game.
1: Well, my catchers don't hit. In my, in my dictionary, in my philosophy of baseball, it doesn't matter. If the catcher is doing that, I mean, woof! I never, never thought I didn't even think of that Bassett stat as far as who catches them, because mm. that's I mean, it's a no brainer. Kirk's got to be uh, behind the dish. That's an unreal battery. Anything else is I mean, the sounds of it. When you say 90 RA, woof, woof, ooh, ooh, not good, I'm sure yeah. the sample size. I'm sure the sample size is not high enough that there's i mean hey there's something to take away from that though jesse don't don't uh i'm not pooing that comment or nothing because it matters it really matters obviously and hey i'll give kirk some love too because that's that's great tight ball game of course like bassett held his own and career career high in strikeouts he dealt for the six innings he pitched and we walked away with the win
0: Perfect. And then we might as well talk about the other starter who started in game two where the Blue Jays got a win here. And that's Trevor Richards. They use the term starter loosely here. But we've talked about the bullpen day and our thoughts about the bullpen day and whether or not we want it to continue. But when the Blue Jays drew it up, this is kind of what it was supposed to look like, right? Gosman has a great start. Then you have the bullpen day. Then Bassett has a great start. We know it doesn't always work that way, but it did work well here in this series. His line, three innings pitch, one hit, one walk, five strikeouts. The velocity and spin were both up on Trevor Richards. He got seven swings and misses on 11 swings on the fastball. He got six more on the changeup. In fact, Riley, he got 10 swings and misses in the first inning alone. That is tied for the most any pitcher has gotten in one inning so far this season, The other being tied with Hunter Green, Mackenzie Gore, and Andrew Heaney being the others. His K percentage, 36.5%, ninth most among MLB pitchers. And Riley, my question to you here is then, Trevor Richards has looked good in the starting role. He's been a starter in the past. We need a fifth starter. Do you think it is time to maybe extend Trevor Richards, get him out there, maybe get him to that five-inning workload so he can be our fifth starter?
1: I would I would like the five innings, Jesse. I'm, hey... My solution is to get another arm. I, I really think that Still that concerned. is yep. going to be the best. I think that's the best solution, but let's pretend that that's not an option. And mind you, it should be really the only option because <laughs> I'm not a fan of these starter things, but I'm just really glad that Trevor Richards has held his own with these opportunities because I'd become an atom with torches and pitchforks had he given up four or five runs in those three innings pitch had he made it those three innings because i mean what kind of leash is he working with i don't know what what the actual plan is uh, this to me is just a band-aid right now i mean this this can't be for this can't be for the run i mean we're working too too damn hard everywhere else on the diamond for us to have this i mean richards has a role. And I don't think it's the starting role. He's hey, if he he has filled the shoes to do that. But I don't know where my confidence lies in that whether he has the durability to throw five, six innings. I don't know. I, I think he's twice through the order. And wherever that gets him, that's great. Keeping his pitch count low. And I still think he should be able to um, face relief opportunities. Uh, because there are certain spots that call for Trevor Richards. So, yeah. I mean, this has worked out well for right now, Jesse. It really has. I'm super happy for that. But let us I, I don't think we ride it out for too much longer. I would really like to see us attack it in a different way. And possibly um, fill that spot. With a guy who is a, a so called certified starting pitcher. I mean, yes, Richards has started ball games before, but I'm talking like maybe not an impact piece, but someone that's going to eat innings and not give up a ton of hard hit balls
0: and has decent control. Yeah, especially if Richards is able to get the strikeouts he's able to get. Don't you kind of want that guy in the bullpen late in games with runners on? You know, I can see the value, but I agree. I think the uh this bullpen day thing isn't going to last too, too much longer. I do think the Blue Jays are going to get... Somebody out there, but Riley, let's talk about somebody who is not going to be joining that spot or the reason I suppose the blue Jays have a bullpen day in the first place, because the Riley, this was supposed to be Alec Manoa's spot in the rotation. I think we've talked about Alec Manoa every single episode, Riley, last episode, you told me, Hey, there's a chance he can figure it out. He can come back. And wouldn't it be a good story if Alec Manoa comes back and throws a no hitter, but we got our first look at him in the Florida complex league, Riley. And honestly, the start did not go good at all. Here's his line, Riley. Two and two-thirds innings pitch, 11 earned runs, 10 hits, two walks, three strikeouts, two home runs allowed. Now, that's playing mostly against 18- and 19-year-olds. These are these people who are in their very first system in the major leagues. Now, because of that, Alec Manoa was also playing with 18- and 19-year-olds. So I think the defense behind him probably wasn't major league level, major league caliber. But still, 11 hits, two home runs allowed against these kids. Is not good, Riley. I have um, more fallout on that, but I want to get your instant reaction. What was your first thought when you saw this stat line from Alec Manoa?
1: It's embarrassed. It's embarrassing, is what it is. That's the mm-hmm. first thing. that you're, I mean, you go from hero to zero real quick, man. I mean that there's gonna <laughs> listen. This this could be eat- this This is gonna be a story for Major League Baseball, no matter how this turns out, the best possible outcome or the worst possible outcome, because we have fallen way down. I did not expect that. Even if he gave up seven hits, it's still not great. But you wince at things like earn runs and hits in the double digits and the fact that he had even a low number of strikers because you would think he would strike out 75, 80% of the batters he'd face without any problems at all. Without lack of control, just getting swings and misses on fastballs. With getting them, you know, getting ahead in the count early and finishing them with the breaking stuff, or, or like fundamental picking stuff against low-level guys. But this just wasn't the case. And yeah, Jesse, it's it's honestly embarrassing. man, for the guy that I called our ace to start to you, the guy who I thought yeah. was going to be our best pitcher, and you by far alone. there was there was nothing that told me he wasn't. And now faith is just his. I mean, it's it's not there. There is nothing that leads me to believe. And, you know, you can put this on my record, too, because I've said a lot of different things about Manoa this year because of how the progression has worked or degression. I mean, Jesse, I I think it's at this point it's safe to say I would be not surprised if he does not make another start for the Toronto Blue Jays this year.
0: I think I agree with you. I said that when Manoa first initially got demoted, like it was tough, but it's very hard to see Alec Manoa coming back. Riley, I'm going to break down every single at bat or every single plate appearance that Alec Noah had here in this game and tell me if this makes it sound worse or better. The first inning, he gave him a leadoff single. Okay, that'll happen, right? But then he goes ground out, ground out. So he had one on with two out. He then gave up another single, but then struck out the fifth guy. So he gave up two base runners, but got out of the inning unscathed. The second inning, ground out and strikeout. He had two out and nobody on. He then walked the third guy and then single, single, and then gave up a grand slam before getting a ground out to end the inning. So he's down 4 nothing after two. The third inning comes along. He lead off walk, which you never like to see. Then a double. Then he struck a guy out. Then a single, single, double home run before he got a ground out to get that eighth out at the inning, Riley. Now, a lot of people, a lot of talk had been made throughout the baseball industry when they saw this stat line come out. John Schneider said this. He said, obviously, I saw the line score and all that stuff, but he heard that things were they were talking about in terms of strike throwing, delivery, velocity, and tempo We're all positive. Ross Atkins was asked about this as well. And he said he fully expects Alec Manoa to be back with the team before the end of the season. I personally don't see how that's possible right now. But hey, there always is a chance. And then Ross Atkins said, quote, he is clearly making progress towards the goals the Blue Jays had given him. Otherwise, results were unideal, and Atkins called the reports of Manoa's slider, quote, less consistent than other pitches throughout. So if he's going down here to fix his slider, and the general manager is just saying the slider isn't as consistent as we want it to be, that's a problem, Riley. And TSN Scott Mitchell was down there, and yeah, like the Ross Atkins and John Schneider can say all these nice things, but like he heard from people down there that some scouts said, yikes, and another scout said what you said, Riley. That was ugly, and he's yeah, and it's just so much more, and I I'm losing hope on Alec Manoa right now.
1: I mean, our our figureheads there with um, the GMs, the managers, whoever it is, they have to say they're not going to say we're really concerned about his development or his you know rehabilitation, whatever. They can't say that stuff, Jesse. They have to fill our heads with positivity towards us because it is a subject that's going to, I guess. I don't want to say like, but this is a guy who couldn't possibly be the second coming of a Roy Halliday for us. I mean, that doesn't seem to be feasible anymore. Now, yes, there was a time where Roy Halliday was sent back and everything like that. But I mean, get it together, man, because, yeah, yikes, gross, scary. Like, yeah, it's it's as a Jays fan, Jesse. We should be very scared because not only does it this this affect us this season, which is a very important season, also really takes a toll on this team's future because of what investments we have put towards Alec Manoa. I mean, it's not ideal. I mean, hey, if this was if if this was a guy, I'm just gonna. I mean, if you say Kikuchi was taking this, I knock on wood, and you say Kikuchi has pitched fantastic this year. But if the roles were reversed, I mean, we wouldn't be in as in-depth like this. We wouldn't be having the same conversation. I mean, this is Alec Manoa we're talking about. This is a Cy Young uh, finalist. This is a guy who had so much potential. And now it seems, Jesse, like our – I don't even know where square one is. Like what square we are at, like it's, it's not really feasible. We are baby steps. We are back to crawling from sprinting. And like we, I have just—he's whatever it is, man. Whatever the main issue is, whatever they say, the, you know, Atkinson and Schneider can say whatever. Oh, he controls great velocity. You did the assignments, whatever. When the scouts start to say that, when the guys who went down to watch and play start saying things like that, those are the people that I believe. And that makes me just—it just—it makes you sick to your stomach, man. Because you got—we have so much invested in. He is so crucial for this organization.
0: Yeah, this is a problem for Alec Manoa. I think our plan is here. We have to go into the offseason, get in better shape, get your stuff together here, and then come into spring training next year. Look locked and loaded. Be ready to go. Show you're a man on a mission, Alec Manoa. Get this done. Because not only do the Blue Jays need you, if you want to build out a good career in Major League Baseball, you need to have the mindset and you need to be determined to be the best that you can be. And that's going to include, Riley, probably losing 30, 40 pounds, getting in better shape, getting your stuff together, and doing all that. And so that's what we need from Alec Manoa. Here. But Riley, I want to move on to something a little more positive. As we get into the midseason here, the Toronto Blue Jays are getting close to the All Star game, and all this stuff is going on here. Last year, Riley, the Toronto Blue Jays sent six players to the All Star game, and we just had our All Star voting. There were five Toronto Blue Jays on the ballot for finalists at their positions, and none of them got voted in here. So, my question to you, Riley, is how many All Stars are the Toronto Blue Jays going to get this year?
1: Okay. I will start by saying this. I saw what, let's uh, outfield, like, I mean, there was our outfielders are great. Are they all stars compared to the best other three outfielders that could have got called? I'm not going to comment on that. I think we have a great outfield for the All Star game. Whatever. I will tell you what. uh, Maybe it's popular. Maybe it's not popular. I think that if there was no Yandy Diaz, then Vladdy goes in. But I think he deserves that spot. I will say that confidently. Diaz for the Rays is fantastic year. Um, Second baseman. Yeah, I'm fine with Marcus Semien. Even Josh Young on third base over Matt Chapman for right now. I, however, have a huge gripe with the shortstop decision. And, yes, Texas, you did a great job voting the fan vote, whatever. There's 29 organizations in baseball that are pooing the Texas Rangers right now because they didn't get their guys in. If it was our Blue Jays, if that was Chapman, Bo, and probably Vlad, then they're they're hounding our family, so you voting and blah, blah, blah. We to do that with Texas. I'm not gonna make a big gripe for Chapman and Vladdy not being there. I am. Have- Devastated. I Bo deserves to be an All Star this year. He, I mean, over Corey Seager, who's having a pretty good year, but it's got to be Bo. So before I even talk about who we're sending, Bo Bichette should be an All Star Game starter, Jesse, and I'm sure you agree with me.
0: Yeah, I don't. I'm actually looking it up right now. Bo Bichette has three WAR on the season. I'm trying to find Corey Seager 2.5. So Bo Bichette is just on WAR alone worth (coughs) half a run more. You look at the offensive numbers, you can make the argument 137 WRC plus now. Corey Seegers is higher, but Corey Seegers also missed a lot of time. Boba Shett's played all 81 games. <laughs> Corey Seegers played 49. So there's, th- what's the same thing? Oh, the, best, the best ability is Get out of here. Oh, right?
1: yeah. So, wow. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, man. That's yeah. That I didn't even know that number there, but as far, okay. You want to say how many all-stars I think we're going to send for position yeah. players then? So I mean, so Bo Bichette has to be there.
0: Agreed. I'm going to say
1: I would say I would say Vlad, Vlad Guerrero Junior is going to be there. That's I I think that's so. that's how that's going to go. Yeah, I, so I think too. it would. I would like to say Jesse, and wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if Springer and Chapman were there too?
0: That's where it's going to get tough. You're forgetting Kevin Gosman. Kevin Gosman is going to be an all-star as well. Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: yes. Okay. So so pitchers is, yeah, pitchers as well. I'm just talking position players. Yeah. But yeah, oh, as far as, as far as starting, so we got Kevin Gosman. We got Jordan Romano. That's a lock. That's an absolute lock.
0: Yeah, Romano's iffy. I think it's going to help him, though, that he is one of the major league leaders in saves. So I do ultimately think he is going to get there as well. He was there last year, right? So they like to give these guys who have been all-stars to continue to keep them being all-stars. Riley, I went through a list here of the guys. So my top four are those same four you have: Bichette, Gosman, Vlad, or Romano, that we think are the locks. Out of the rest of the guys on the roster, who do you think are the most likely? Do you think like Chapman and Springer are next likely? Like if there's an injury or something, like if Aaron Judge, for example, can't play in the All-Star game, are they going to call George Springer, Dalton Varsho, one of these guys? Like who's next on your list?
1: I mean, the first question is Jesse, where where do you look to first? Like I would, as good as Varsho this year, I would give the honors. I would say Springer ahead of Bar show for outfielders. I think I that's, you know, I think that'd probably be the popular opinion. And um, I think Chapman's close. I think the way Chapman started off the year, it really says a lot. I know that, you know, people probably forget the, the, the start of the year because, you know, you, what's fresh in your mind? Well, closest to the All-Star break, right? Yeah. And so that's, that might hinder him a little bit. um. But I think if anyone, if I was to pick one, George Springer for sure at this point, man, as far as position players go,
0: Okay, and I wanted to throw some love. Hey, Whit Merrifield, second base in the American League isn't that deep. Like, if they need another second baseman, you could be looking at Whit Merrifield there. And I also think it won't happen because middle relievers, they you have to be so damn dominant to get a spot in the All-Star game as just a plain middle reliever. But Tim Maza has been really good. Eric Swanson's been really good. Like, there could be some buzz. You know, the Jason Steve Delabar to the All-Star game, for goodness sake. So there is a chance that one of these middle relievers get in, but I don't think so. And also, I think Chris Bassett, with the performance he's put together in this first half, Might have a sneaky case to get into the back end of that all-star game. But I think I'm with you, Riley. I think four is the number on what we're going to end up with this year.
1: Yeah. Hey, that's, that's fine, man. At the end of the day, it doesn't decide home field. It's a fun time. You get to watch the best, the best in baseball uh, play it out. And, uh, you know, it's fine. I just, I just like it. Almost as bragging rights for a Jays fan, right? Hey, we sent seven guys to the All-Star game this year. Hey, that sounds really good. Doesn't it? Like You know, things like that, it sounds really good. It's it's almost like an organizational brag. Well, how many players did your team send this year? Well, we sent six. Well, our team sent seven. Or, oh, our own team only had three All-Stars this year. It's just one of those accolades stuff. When announced. now say this was a all he was an all-star in 2018 or you know things like that's just it's something to add to your baseball resume so it is nice at the it doesn't mean something not really but it does mean something for you just you know you want to talk about down the road going to cooperstown things like that i'm not saying any of these players are going to the hall of fame but like not even just saying it very arbitrarily, but it's nice to have on your baseball resume. Jesse
0: looks good on the baseball reference page. That is for sure for the blue Jays there. And then I guess at the all-star weekend, at least we have something to look forward to the day before the all-star game is because Vladimir Guerrero jr. Is going to be participating in the home run Derby again, Riley. (laughs) I don't know if you and I have ever had this talk about the home run Derby about if we believe in the home run Derby curse, or are we a people who think, Oh, the home run Derby, it actually breaks your swing. It's not that good. Riley. Because we didn't do the show in 2019 when Vlad was there the first time. But what we do know from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Riley is that he puts on a show. His 91 home runs he hit in Coors Field was still the most ever hit in a home run derby um, of all time. And he was pressured into it by his dad. He said his dad wanted to see him go there. Vlad Sr. wanted to see. Him. And he's like, well, if my family wants it, okay, I'll go. I'll be there. And my favorite thing about this, Riley, is um, someone asked what Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s plan is to uh, at the home run derby. And he's like, I don't got no plan at all. I'm just going to go show up, hit homers, have fun, and hit home runs, man. And that's what baseball is all about, man. I love that from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So I'll be excited to see him at the show.
1: I'm very I'm very much looking forward to that, man. I'm a big fan of the home run derby, especially the one at Coors Field when they put it in outer space and the balls mm-hmm. just started flying out of the ballpark. That's always nice, man. I think Seattle, Jesse, all-star game in Seattle.
0: Yeah, Pacific Northwest.
1: Yes. So, West Coast All-Star game. I don't know what time it's going to be at. I don't know why we'll be watching it for sure, especially the Home Run Derby with uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I'm, I'm sure he's up for stiff competition. Now, the make-or-break part, let's, let's have the tough part of this conversation. Is it going to make-or-break a swing? Well, honestly, maybe – Like, is this swing going to get a lot worse than what it's been? Well, God, I hope not. He swung at a couple sliders in this uh, Sam Fran series that did not look good Mm -hmm. um, on the outside part of the plate, Maybe this will be a nice kind of, like, build his confidence back. Maybe see some pitches just fluttered in and just remember, like, hey, like, I don't cuz pitchers have learned how to pitch the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I mean it's it's a lot it's a lot differently than he played in 2 3 years ago and I'm very excited to see what he can do because yeah he will put on a show man there's no question about it um but the wall is elevated it It is not on the ground so we just hope hey like if he can if he can elevate it in the home run derby what's to say he can't do that in regular season play man honestly honestly
0: yeah that's what we're hoping for we're hoping that this can teach him to get those fly balls in the air because Vladdy's on a 23 home run pace right now that number needs to change if the home run derby is what it takes to get Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to hit the ball in the air and drive it with authority he could be in line for a real big second half and honestly I kind of think It's going to happen. I think this might be the line, the storyline, the story that we go out from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the home run derby to him becoming that slugger, the guy we know that's in there, Riley. And I'm hoping that's what comes out of this home run derby.
1: Yeah. Jesse, I really have a lot of faith. You say big second half and I couldn't agree more because 20 on pay. I couldn't get over it on pace at 23 home runs, man. That just can't happen. We need more from this guy. We absolutely need more from Vladimir Guerrero Jr uh maybe maybe the series this weekend isn't the turning point but let's let this home run derby be the turning point let's like do some reconfiguration and let's do when we're playing when we're playing remember power swing but we want to do with our analog we want to point it up not down mm-hmm. in order to elevate that ball <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's that's all I got on Vladdy. A few notes here. You know, Zach Pop is going through another rehab assignment. Tyler Heineman's fine. He's down in the minor leagues when Kirk got called up. Um, Jimmy Garcia's knee is hurt, a little bit hurt. Kevin Kiermaier has been out of the lineup uh, four straight days. I actually don't think he's in the lineup again here tonight either. He's dealing with some back tightness. And Ricky Tiedeman, Riley, we haven't seen or heard his name in two months, but he's back to a throwing live bullpen in the next coming days. And Ross Atkins said the velocity is back up to the high 90s, and they're really excited about where Ricky Tiedeman is today. So that's a good sign. We want to get our best pitching prospect back on the bump as well we need more pitching um do you have a quick thought on any of those riley before we call our episode
1: hey ricky tiedemann could be i don't know if he's the now solution but if they like you want to talk about replacement guys and replacing guys i i mean i really hope we don't have to end up replacing banal with someone like that um but i hey the ricky tiedemann hype is real right now and i mean be healthy progress at a good level and then once you hit those you know once you hit you know the amount of games played in double a like that they'll go oh hey like this guy could be for really start competing um with higher and heavier competition then i wouldn't be surprised to see him in a major league game at some point i don't know if it's going to be this year september is still a long ways away though jesse so
0: yeah, you never I, know,
1: I, right, I, I, dude? With Manoa, with his, with Manoa not returning, like I wouldn't be surprised. They're... Well, first off, find a starting pitcher, find a starting pitcher. And if you just are too lazy to do that, like, then, I I mean, crazy, there's been crazier experiments go on than calling up a, you know, a a 20-year-old starting pitcher and using him in a relief role and possibly giving him a spot start here and there. Baseball's done crazier things. People of the game have done crazier things. But we just got to fill that spot, man. And we need to fill it sooner rather than later. As far as I'm concerned, man, as good as Richards was, it's too late for me. I if I was the if I was the GM, I would have filled that spot and I would have sold a prospect piece. I'm not going to say who cuz I did think about it, but it wouldn't be Ricky Teedman, but I would have filled that spot and brought a starting pitcher in from the from the homely um, American League Central and got them off one of those dumpster fire teams and let them play good baseball in Toronto. But I like, hey, that's just me. I don't know, man. I'm sitting here recording a podcast in my, my brother's childhood bedroom of not out <laughs> there managing baseball teams. So there there you go.
0: Yeah, I will say too, pay attention to what the GMs say around this time as we get closer to the trade deadline. I remember back before we acquired Matt Chapman, um, Ross Atkins was really talking up Zach Logue saying things like, hey, we really believe in this guy. We really think this is good. We don't want to move Zach Logue. Two weeks later, they traded him to get Matt Chapman. So just pay attention to the names Ross Atkins mentions as you're listening to him speak going forward because those might be some of the guys that he might move as we get to the trade deadline here. But guys, that'll do it for our episode here today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Remember to like the video, subscribe to the channel, leave us a five-star review on all that podcast platforms. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, anywhere you can find your podcast. You can find Riley and I doing this on Buds and Blue Jays. So please tell a friend all that good stuff. We want to get to a 1,000 subscribers here sooner rather than later. Riley, anything else to add before we call our episode here today?
1: Let's crush the socks, baby. Let's do this.
0: Let's crush the socks. Amen. We'll see you next week, guys.
1: Thanks, guys.